0: Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is February 20th, 2017. This is the 12th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. It's another on-location show here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, it's been a long day of video shooting for work. We woke up at 2.30 in the morning. We left for the location at 5 in the morning to then be there when the sun rose at 6.00 shot 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 all day long not shot shot shots Not drinking but lots of video shoots very very busy until sunset at 6:30 p.m got back here 8 p.m it is now 9 p.m locally i am exhausted i should not be recording a podcast but you know what i wanted to talk about video games with you guys especially out here usually a later recording than usual so Let's get into the show, but if you are new to the podcast, we are hoping to have these shows happen at least every weekend, but also on certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. Now, first we'll open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And then, after a small commercial break, we'll set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or to bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment, and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. And if it sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. So the big news today was this was the embargo of when Horizon Zero Dawn reviews were up. Uh, and that was at, you know, midnight. It was certainly interesting waking up so very early for work, but you know, kind of just spending a half hour kind of going through the reviews for Horizon Zero Dawn and all very positive. You certainly always have a couple outliers there and while that may be, you know, some outlet having an opinion where they didn't particularly enjoy the game. I mean, when you compare that to when so many people are giving, you know, 9.5s, 10 out of 10s, or 5 out of 5s, or very, very high scores for Horizon Zero Dawn, it, it, it does make you wonder. Some people are saying, oh, well, they're just doing it for the attention. But, you know, games are subjective. Art is subjective. So, there's it's certainly understandable if you have a couple uh, outlier opinions, regardless very good scores for Horizon Zero Dawn. I think I saw, you know, Metacritic, Hope and Critic around 88, 89, which is right around where I was actually expecting it. That's, that's very, very good. But it makes me think about how that's coming out February 28th here in the United States. On March 3rd, only a few days later, that is the Nintendo Switch launch day, along with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, the two games seem to be very similar in the sense that it's, Third person, open world, action adventure. That kind of just thrusts you out in the world and say, "Go figure it out for yourself." Seem to be very similar games, especially with you know the emphasis on the bow and arrow. And yeah, Link will you know certainly pick up different swords and other kinds of weapons uh, during the course of his adventure. But for Aloy, it's you know mostly the bow. But we've seen a lot of Link with the bow as well. The point is the two games are very similar and they're likely actually to probably receive very similar scores. I think even the uh, different embargo dates were released for Nintendo Switch today in the sense that, you know, it's gonna be March 2nd for final Zelda reviews the day before and like that, you could argue like, well, that seems really soon, but everyone who's gonna basically play the game has already pre-ordered it or like they know they're going to buy it. I don't think anyone is really holding out for that Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild review. Basically the the point here is that the games are very similar, very similar genres will likely receive very similar scores. And for some people, they may have the plethora of time to play both of these games in a back-to-back fashion and you know, not get burned out at all. But as we get older, as adults have more responsibilities and I'm I'm certainly feeling the pressure as well, we are in an incredible start to 2017. As far as the quality of games that are being released, I mean, you could argue that it started with Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 did a lot better than many people thought it would be, and you know, followed up with you know Yakuza Zero, another surprisingly good game. Uh, you had Neo uh, come out of nowhere, where Sony kind of took the publishing rights for that from uh, Team Ninja, you know, doing the development. But Neo getting these high 80 scores on on Metacritic and Open Critic, uh, that's a, a big big surprise as well. So it's been a remarkable start, and there's certainly other games. I mean, Tales of Viseria is you know putting Tales back on the mark for for that franchise. It's it's really really a good start when we're only you know a month or two into 2017. But I think we're about to hit a slate of games that we've mentioned here on the past on the show. That we really have not seen, at least in recent history, of just game after game after game. And certainly for some people, they may not be, you know, as interested in all of these titles. But for many of us, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn is of interest on February 28th. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, other Switch titles on March 3rd. Then you have Mass Effect Andromeda on March 21st. Followed by Persona 5 on April 4th and then ukulele. People have been waiting for that game and that's on April 11th. So it's just these games after games after games. And look at all of those games. I honestly could you expect any of those games to really bomb critically? Like they're all setting up to be these massively popular, massively critically successful games, which is remarkable for, you know, 2017 being only so many months in. But there is only so much time to play these games. And with that incredible onslaught of games, I think especially it's really Horizon and Zelda back-to-back if third-person, open-world, action-adventure games are your favorite genre of game as it is mine. I I love playing those games, but I don't want to burn myself out on it. And I wonder if that's something that anybody else, I don't, don't wanna say suffers, but you know, finds themselves discovering that they may be feeling that way. Yes, it may be your favorite genre of game, but if you play too much of it consistently There may be a time where like you're like I want to play something else And I think in a way that's where this group of games actually is going to succeed aside from Horizon and Zelda, you know really competing and some say well They're gonna compete on sales and yeah, maybe for some but for most people like they'll be excited to get both games Just they'll be of such a high quality, but then you think yeah Zelda or Horizon, you know, take your pick with that third person open world action adventure. You know, Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be a Western RPG, you know, third person shooting, which is going to be a little different. Uh, you know, very not open world spaces, but you know, kind of an open universe to go and play in different planets. Persona 5, totally different. JRPG, you know, Dungeon Crawler, Ukulele, third person platformer. These are very different kinds of games. And I think that's really the exciting part is not only will they be high quality, but these games are coming back to back. I mean, granted, it's a, it's a very expensive couple months. Let's keep that in mind too. But there'll be different styles of games. And it's those first two with Horizon and Zelda that it worries me about the genre burnout. And that's why I think I'm going to make the decision that I'm going to wait until May for Horizon Zero Dawn. There are a couple reasons for this. And and you know granted it is gonna be tough to avoid spoilers and you're hearing very good things in these reviews about the story for Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Personally, I've I've been waiting for Breath of the Wild for longer. I came to the conclusion recently that it's odd that three of my most anticipated games from 2015 are coming out within a month of each other in 2017. And that's with Zelda, Mass Effect, and Persona. And like that's that's unusual. I mean, when they were talking about in 2015, they're like oh we'll delay this year, oh delay until the next year, and like just right, bam, 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 like right in the middle. Like that's that's wild. But Horizon has always been on my radar for the last couple of years that it's been shown because it does seem to be the kind of game I'm very interested in. But I think it's the release timing that makes it you know a little off like because I don't want this genre burnout and I, I want to keep playing different things. And so I think putting it in May not only it continues that streak of excellent games, as long as I can, you know, hold off on the spoilers, but it brings me back to that genre I enjoy so much after a couple month wait, you know, since I last played Zelda, if that makes sense. Not only that, but the price, by then you know 3 4 months something around there is usually when sony drops their prices of their first party games at least a little bit or you'll start to find good sale prices on it so i mean gosh if i can get you know horizon for 40 dollars that'd be pretty good i mean as far as saving the money because again it's it's going to be an expensive couple months i mean you know gaming is an expensive hobby not to you know short shrift the developers or anything like that but it's it's all a matter of you know personal decisions on how we play games and what our artistic inspirations are at the moment of what we want to experience. So that's gonna be a tough choice for I think many people. Uh, granted, again, if you have the time to play both, have at it by all means. But for some of us who can only you know put in so many hours per day and that may be two, three at most if we're lucky and with all these great games to play, sometimes you have to move around the games in your own personal release schedule. And that's why I think I'm gonna have to wait until May for Horizon Zero Dawn. Anyway, that's what I have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say too. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch, here in another hotel room, this one with the walls made of cement. Now, a tornado apparently touched down nearby in San Antonio uh, yesterday, last night, while people were sleeping, and it was between downtown where I am and where the airport is, I mean maybe it's like a 20 minute drive away or something like that. Lots of thunder, and I could barely hear it, was a, such a weird sound. So. Again, hopefully we don't have neighbors knocking or anything like that because the the walls should be pretty well insulated, but then again, the acoustics are a little off in case anyone was curious about that. But let's get to the callers. There should be a lot of you here today and good topics of discussion, so I'm looking forward to it. Joining us from Michigan, Scott. Welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? Uh, Not too bad, Peter. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Thanks. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about?
1: Sony's had a fantastic month start off this new year Uh, with it only being february with the invention of two really well received brand new ips scoring so highly they're just kicking all sorts of ass this month
0: and it's really about time, too. I mean, for both you know, Microsoft and Sony, you could almost argue that there was almost just a battle of the third party dominance. Like that was really almost what was selling the consoles. And yeah, to get the two exclusives right off the bat, you're referring to Neo and Horizon Zero Dawn, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's really big. And it almost you know, wonders, like, how is Microsoft going to respond? They should have a big E3 this year for sure. But also, you know, all the other different first party games that Sony has in the pipeline. I mean, can they match that same quality?
1: My biggest thing with Microsoft is I've never felt they've had a lot of the breadth and variety in terms of their exclusives. Especially now when so many have been canceled, be it Scalebound and Fable. They just don't have much of a variety that I think a lot of Sony's exclusive content has. Especially now with Horizon being now out and Neo, etc. It'll be tough for them, but I mean, we'll wait and see it until E3. But I'm going to be really curious to see in this next month or so... I didn't think... Anyone had the idea or thought that Horizon might go toe to toe with Zelda? Mm-hmm. Like you were previously saying that they're open world, they're adventures, they're RPGs kind of thing. They're similar in many of those regards, but I don't think a lot of people were expecting Horizon to be so good. I don't think anyone's expecting Zelda to be bad, Breath of the Wild to be bad, but I'm curious to see how Nintendo, who doesn't really have an experience doing a wide open world like this, especially with Zelda, Going up against Horizon, which is a studio that doesn't have experience with wide-open action RPGs. It'll be very interesting to see how the two uh, go head-to-head against each other. It'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, I think both have their detractions in a way. Whereas yeah, I thought you know people were expecting Horizon to be good. I don't think they're expecting it to be as good as the reviews are saying and because yeah it is coming from guerrilla games i mean they're used to making kills on first person shooters and do they have the open world pedigree well they're doing a lot of things right it seems and yeah they're helping with that that decima engine that kojima is going to make for you know death stranding they're kind of working together with kojima productions on that with a uh, guerrilla there but yeah so there's there's kind of that new ip test in a way if a lot of people will have it really resonate with them yeah as far as zelda goes you're right i mean it is the big first foray into open world for the legend of zelda uh, a lot of interesting things that we've seen so far but i wonder if the reviews are going to Yeah, i'm sure there are going to be so many glowing reviews for breath of the wild i mean all that we've seen so far from the people having hands on time with the game and the different demos here and there uh it seems to be you know really really positive on it i mean there's a reason why mm-hmm. I, at the beginning of the year i predicted that breath of the wild would have the highest metacritic score of any game average at the end of uh, 2017. like the people are, are very very high on it but again it, it may be the people that you know expect too much from breath of the wild so they feel let down and so their review few scores may be affected maybe it just doesn't jive with them really as you know they would have expected to or you may have just the contrarian Uh, Writing saying, Oh, it gets a seven out of 10, or it gets a six out of 10. And then all the ire of the fanboys go after that website and gets all the clicks, and that's what they want. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come review time for that. But, you know, both games that I don't think at the beginning we expected them to have such close release dates. And I think that part of that is the surprise Mm -hmm. of the March 3rd Switch release day. And we were thinking, Yeah, March 17th. So, oh, maybe. You know, Zelda and Mass Effect would go up against each other, and those are different games. I think it's it's shaping up to be quite the, the battle.
1: I think it being a Zelda title will both help and hurt Breath of the Wild in terms of its overall reviews, because I think a lot of people, when they see Zelda, because it's such an established franchise, they have their own idea of what Zelda is, mm, you
0: know? Right, good point.
1: And. For gaming journalists and people that have followed Breath of the Wild for so long, they know what it is. But for a lot of general public, I would say, when they see Zelda, they're not expecting a giant open world thing that they might get lost in or have no real idea of what to do or the more open-ended gameplay. So I'm going to be curious to see if, with the general public, with casual consumers, if the fact that Breath of the Wild seems to be such a large departure from the typical Zelda formula, if that will help or hinder sales and reception kind of among casual players.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, I mean, it depends on you know, what people's first Zelda was, I mean, whether they're you know Ocarina of Time players, whether they're Majora's Mask, or even if they go all the way back to the original Legend of Zelda, and it goes back to the whole design philosophy that uh, Aonuma and Miyamoto are kind of going into it saying, you know, going back to the original and focusing on the exploration and just the sense of wonder in a wide open world in the sense there. Uh, I wonder if that'll resonate with people or if it's so very different. But then you can also have the players who say, well, let's compare this to Skyrim or let's compare this mm-hmm. to The Witcher and see like what's what's different, what's the same and how does it all stack up? So it's that's going to be or even
1: Horizon now. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. That's one thing Horizon has going for it that Zelda doesn't. There's no real preconceived notions of what Horizon is. Like hmm. people look at Horizon or if they hear about it, they'll look into it and they'll know instantly it's like, "Oh, this sounds kind of cool. I haven't played something like this before." But then other people might hear Zelda and be like, "Ah, I played a bunch of those. I know what I'm I know what I'm getting into." Kind of thing. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how those two uh, compete against each other.
0: Right, and you're also having the difference with a lot of people saying that Horizon Zero Dawn on a PS4 Pro, on a 4K TV, is just the most gorgeous game that they've ever seen. Like, it's setting a new standard for console graphics and just how a game looks. Well, you compare that to Breath of the Wild, it'll certainly be lacking in that department, but you're also adding the factor of portability. And so like two very different experiences in that sense, in a a visual and location sort of of experience and style there. Uh, So maybe that plays a factor into it all.
1: In regards to the portability, I mean, that's only for the Switch. So that'll also play into the availability of the unit, especially right out of the gate. You don't have that bonus if, people are holding off for the winter or whatever with Mario Odyssey and are just getting in on the Wii U. That's
0: true. Well. True. I guess it depends on how close people's toilets are for their Wii U. And if they can this is true. play that difference there as well. This is true. All right. Well, Scott, we can find you on Twitter at SolidSnake120. Yes, you can. And you're over at dashing Is that right? What are you guys doing there? And new.
1: On our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dashing Nerds, you can find us uh, a weekly series called Time Hops where every week we do a local brew, brewery beer or something and we just kind of hang out and play some retro games and just kind of talk and hang out on the couch. So we have a few episodes of those under our belt, but right now it's just getting ready for this onslaught of reviews with Neo and Tales of Berseria and Horizon next week and Zelda and everything coming out. So uh, going to be busy.
0: Yeah, definitely check out that new YouTube series. It's a lot of fun. Really enjoying it, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a busy time for the website for sure. And uh, expensive yeah, too. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Don't don't you all know it? All right. Well, thanks, Scott. Thank you for calling in, and uh, hope you have a good night. Thanks for having me, Peter. Joining us from Illinois, video game guru sixty four. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Nice to be back. All right. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about?
2: Going off all the Sony. IPs coming out. There was a uh document which looked like the Switch, but it was a Sony device. Yeah, it was
0: it was out. It was kind of like they split apart a dual shot controller. And yeah. put it on the sides of tablets and like that's that was their idea for a and you can obviously see the the parallels certainly between that and Switch.
2: Yeah. The the big thing is if those controller parts split apart and like connect in some way I don't know but could possibly be a license for a zoo or something
0: Mm, I'm not sure if that would necessarily be grounds for a lawsuit so here's the thing I mean the patent was from 2015 so this is probably around the same time that Nintendo is sort of finalizing the idea of Nintendo Switch this is certainly before the public has heard about what Nintendo Switch actually is uh, I would imagine it's, it's just interesting to see that maybe Sony was kind of on the same path, having the same sort of idea of what it could possibly be. Now, we're not seeing anything about a dock or anything like that in the, uh, the documents for the patent. Yes. Uh, I think it's just, you know, kind of the idea of, you know, taking it with you, but still having maybe the comfortability of playing it like a, a portable gaming system and maybe having the flexibility for some sort of console component. Uh, I think yeah. it would be interesting if Sony eventually comes out with a new handheld successor. I think it really does depend on how well Switch does. If Switch takes off and it's very successful and it you know, sells lots of copies, I think Sony starts to accelerate those plans to not have Nintendo dominate a handheld market and maybe fuse that in with a PlayStation 5, a uh, future successor to PlayStation 4 in a, maybe a couple of years time. But I don't think it's necessarily grounds for a lawsuit. I mean, you're not seeing them called Sony cons or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think it's still very preliminary at best. I think it's it's just more interesting to see how two game companies were kind of coming to similar conclusions. And one felt the need, because of their place in the market, to say that, well, we need to release this now.
2: Yeah. And then uh, the other thing was Nintendo theft. Yeah, yeah. They got the system. They put it online, and like, oh wait,
0: you're not supposed to have it. Yeah, and we were even talking on a, a past episode of how, you know, it should be time for a Nintendo Direct. We should really see something about a Nintendo Direct, oh. maybe something about the online capabilities and all that. And then some guy goes and publishes a video from a stolen Nintendo Switch of him booting up the system, showing the touch screen you know, functioning for the first time because Nintendo hadn't done that on any of their promotional videos really. Uh, Showing that, you know, there is a dedicated themes setting. So you have a light mode and a dark mode and certainly that's enough, you know, expansion for themes to possibly download from an eShop, I would imagine. Uh, Lots of different user experience and user interface sort of uh, settings and it has a little, you know, startup jingle that seems good. So that was a case where it appeared on NeoGAF And I downloaded that video immediately because I'm like, well, the Nintendo ninjas are going to get to it. And uh, I I need to just archive that, really, because who knows what happens to that.
2: And the thing with the Nintendo Direct, I called uh, Nintendo and said, is there any chance of there being a Direct anytime soon before the system launched? And they had nothing to be announced. So...
0: I'm not sure what I'm surprised by more that you called Nintendo, that Nintendo still has a customer service line, or that they actually (laughs) responded with a no comment. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean yeah. They still have a customer service line. Wow, wow. I mean, that's no surprise that they'll just say no comment and you know, if if they have anything to announce, they'll talk about it. But it's typical Nintendo that they'll wait so long to show the basic functionality of the system that it takes the theft of a retail shipment for then someone to put video online and then he's caught trying to sell it on Reddit or eBay or whatever it was later because the jig was up, essentially. Uh, that only only figures for Nintendo.
2: The other topic I want to bring up is the storage size for the games. And how you want to download Grand Quest Heroes 1 and 2, you better have a memory card because uh, that's gonna take up all your space.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, what are your plans for, are you getting a Switch at launch?
2: Yes, and I'm probably gonna pick up a uh, 200 uh, gigabyte card.
0: Oh, wow, yeah, I, and, that, that would be definitely sizable. I, I suppose it does yeah. depend on how much you're looking to get between physical and digital. I mean, if if you go on that size, like that's definitely fine for digital. Yeah, well, you have the story for Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2 there. Is yeah, it's there's only twenty five point nine gigabytes or something like that, which some people are like, oh well, it comes with thirty two. But if you've ever had a smartphone, you know there's only there's so yeah. much space that the operating system has to eat up. That's that's fine. But yeah, yeah what well, the install mm-hmm. is so large on the digital version of that game that you need an SD card to kind of have the, the carryover data. Uh, I'm doing sixty four myself because I think I'm going to get mostly uh, physical, but you know there may be some digital games that I'll uh, I'll get yeah. as well.
2: You can never be too careful. I picked up a uh, two terabyte hard drive for my Wii U. I haven't used it all, but it's at like the halfway point. Wow! So.
0: Wow! Yeah, that definitely sounds like you do more digital game purchases then, and that's that totally makes well, sense. Every that's you, know, you get well, them faster. Well, it, it's and,
2: yeah. mo- more eShop uh, purchases than anything else. Right? Like, yeah. I have like a folder. Full of eShop games, and no, I have two folders because one folder wasn't enough.
0: Wow, wow! So, and then it's also a matter. Of then you don't have to worry about cycling out the space and managing that. I mean, I'm going through that on both PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I got launch units, and they're 500 yeah. gigabytes. But you know, when they force the install for the disc versions of the games, like you can only keep so many. Of them, and I, I'm going to talk about Gears of War 4 at the end of the show. Uh, but surprising, when I put that disc in, and it was a 40 gigabyte just base game install with like a 26 gigabyte update, and it's just like that eats up so much, like that's that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, it's always just you know matter of juggling that if you have so much space, and you know when you have that large expansion, like you don't have to worry about that, and that must be a, a nice relief.
2: Yeah, and I'm not planning to juggle uh, memory cards. Yeah. So I want to get the bigger size one in case there was like a game down the line that is like super big. Right. So
0: I have not seen exactly where yet, but I believe people have figured out where the SD cards, the micro SD cards go on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah,
2: it it goes uh, when you pull the. Little stand out. It goes underneath the stand.
0: Okay, that's actually really smart because for those that have new Nintendo 3DS, like no, that's a nightmare. Uh Just uh, abhorrent. Like you need really small screws and to take that back plate off and try not to break any of the tabs, and then it's it's back yep. <laughs> there. But then try reattaching it. It's it's a mess. So like that sounds nice and easy and secure. And I don't think I'm going to be using the kickstand too much myself. I don't know if you saw the gif where someone using the demo you know of a switch tried to put it back and then the the kickstand kind of flipped and broke off uh, you could you could have reapply it it didn't totally break but okay. it was just odd to see that like just wing and just kind of spun off into the the demo area that's what i was going to be afraid of
2: if i break it or not so
0: yeah and i think mean, it just it would just disconnect but it's from what i heard it was easy enough to reattach but it just Odd to see but that's that's a good placement for it it's, I'm glad it's somewhat accessible yeah all right video game guru 64 we can find you on Twitter at that name
2: yeah it is
0: All right video game guru 64 thanks so much for calling in have a great rest of the night yep you too joining us from <laughs> Alaska DQP welcome back to the power switch good morning sleepyhead oh if only it's it's uh, what 9 <laughs> 50 p.m central time here but it feels like i've been awake an entire day how are you doing
3: i'm doing all right it has been a weird month both emotionally and physically and all that but you know i'm hanging in there so well
0: good i, I hope everything's all right uh what do you want to talk about today
3: Uh, I kind of like the topic you set up at the beginning. I think it's really odd how there are so many damn action RPGs coming out in like a couple months.
2: Mm -hmm, And
3: and this is especially weird because I bet a friend that I would play all of Kingdom Hearts by the end of the year or else I would buy him three. Oh, wow. So I'm in the precarious position of having finished the first one. And now suddenly a new kingdom hearts game is coming out but none of them have goofy in it.
0: <laughs> what did you think of the so, first one?
3: Oh, my brain hurts.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a weird start to that story and franchise. 2 gets a lot better.
3: People tell me it gets better and um to to be honest, uh I am really really liking chain of memories. Ooh, I really totally really? honestly speaking. Yeah, everybody else set me up to hate that game, but I got started and um it took me a while to get in the groove of it, but once I sort of figured out how the mechanics work, I'm like, yeah, this this isn't half bad. I'm not I'm not trying to figure out what the hell to do 90% of the time.
0: It's super different than every other Kingdom Hearts game, uh, and to think of it, you know, being released back on Game Boy Advance and trying to do all that, right. I, I, it sounds like they did a really great job bringing it up to HD. Uh, that was a game right. where it's like, I just wanted to glean the story. I'll watch a, a cutscene movie on YouTube because I, I can't be bothered to, to <laughs> learn this new card mechanic. Like it, It's not for me. It really just isn't for me.
3: No, no. This card mechanic, it's too difficult. But the Kingdom Hearts story? No, nah, that's easy. <laughs>
0: I mean, you you get to learn the <laughs> characters and like, who is this Mar-Luke <laughs> uh, not
3: don't, don't, don't spoil anything. Uh, But but anyway, that brings me to an interesting thought that I had throughout this whole recording session, and that is the groove. Because I think the deal with a lot of action role-playing games in particular is that I typically take a while to get into them, as can be evidenced by Kingdom Hearts for obvious reasons. Um, But once I kind of settle into them and get comfortable and play for a few hours, it becomes easier to plow through them. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much fatigue as it is. Yeah, this is all right. I'm just gonna abnegate and play this game for a while. And then it's over and you get to the next one and you're like, "Uh, this is different. I'm not comfortable.
0: I wonder if it's different where if you're catching up on a series, do you see it as almost like one long story that you kind of are breaking up into chunks in a way with the different game installments or is it definitely on a game by game basis?
3: It's interesting that you bring that up because there are some franchises where I think, oh, this game and then this game as sort of two separate entities, like um, the Star Wars video games. They're all super different. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Uh, Or Metal Gear Solid. And then, hell, each of the Metal Gear games I kind of see as its own separate thing for the most part. Yeah. But then I get to something like Mass Effect. Mass Effect, by the way, a series that the individual games could not be more different from each
0: other. (laughs) Yeah, true.
3: But I still kind of see them as a whole entity. Like when I start up Mass Effect 1, I don't want to stop until when Mass Effect 3 draws to a close. That's the way I always play it.
0: Yeah, and it definitely yes. helps with you know the character investment, the customization, the relationship between the characters. I mean, that's, that's a special right. series. I know you um, mentioned earlier uh, on a past episode that you're looking to get to the Uncharted games. And I, I found that the same way when going through the Nathan Drake collection where it's just like, I got to continue through all of them.
3: Right. Well, I mean, the, the PS4 collection makes that easier. Yeah, for sure, for it sure. It kind of homogenizes everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's my story. And then I uh, have to weave Yakuza 0 in there.
0: Mm-hmm,
3: yep. I have to weave Neo in there. <laughs> I have to weave Breath of the Wild in there when that comes out. By the way, I'm getting that on Wii U.
0: Okay, okay.
3: I'm not spending $400 on on a console that I'm not confident if it's crap or not.
0: Interesting, yeah, and it depends on uh, you know how you've taken to the you know pre-release marketing and all that. I just I just know that that's a game where I really want that game to be portable. And I have a work trip coming up like a few days after the Switch launch, and I'm I'm thinking I'm going to be on a plane. I'm going to be that guy from the reveal video. I'm going to take off the Joy Cons. <laughs> Be I mean, playing Breath of the Wild like a dweeb, but you know what? That's gonna be me.
3: <laughs> I hope that plane has power outlets, buddy, because yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, gonna... <laughs> don't know if it... seriously though. I don't know if it's gonna last two hours or twenty hours because I don't want to be playing like Skyrim on the plane and then suddenly get a notification an hour
0: into it that oh, I'm running out of batteries. Crap. That would be a bit rough, yeah. I mean, yeah, more more and, planes are starting to have the power outlets on them, especially with uh, USB. And if you have the USB C charging, that should help. Um, it, I'm a paranoid
3: security asshole who doesn't really trust USB charging stations, but mm, whatever.
0: No, no, fair. I can understand that. No, I mean, it should should still be a, a good experience on Wii U for sure. And yeah, th- a lot of great games so far in 2017. And I'm sure you're experiencing is you know getting older having less time for games and trying to make time for games and balancing it with everything else like right. it's it's promising to see the industry go towards, you know, a very game-centric, game-heavy, you know, high-quality game year where, you know, you could argue that the past, you know, few years, well 2014 was just rough when you're talking between Shadow of Mordor and Dragon Age Inquisition for game of the year. Like that's Okay, that's a little little tough. Well, 2015, you're talking Undertale, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Witcher Three. Like those are those are a few good games. Uh, 2016 had you know good installments <laughs> as well. Overwatch, uh, Uncharted Four. You had you know Dark Souls Three was in there, Doom. So again, like you know some Tiger good, Fall. yeah, Titanfall. Yeah. So so a few good ones. But I mean, man, you could almost make a game of the year list already, and we're two months in.
3: I think it's kind of the Netflix problem. Mm, where mean? it's like, wow, Stranger Things was awesome. Wow, House of Cards was awesome. Wow, Lemony Snicket was awesome. And you just have too many good shows. Mm, like mm-hmm. you don't you don't have the time to like if you're at the water cooler and somebody's like, Hey, did you see this episode of Westworld? And you're just like, I stop. I I, I have like five shows I'm watching already. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt the same way in the twenty fifteen rush. Because, you know, you had Fallout 4, you had Pillars of Eternity, you had uh, Witcher 3, you had Bloodborne. It was just almost too much, even though they were all good.
0: Yeah, lest so, I forget Bloodborne, Jesus.
3: <laughs> I've got Neo coming. Most of these games I've ordered on Amazon, and I, since I live in Alaska, they're going to take forever to get here. Oh, man. Uh, Hey, it's it's cheaper than going to GameStop, yeah, and I'm not supporting hideous business practices. So, well, you know what? Yeah. If you bought
0: the games new from GameStop, you'd almost be doing a disservice.
3: I think if I bought the game new at GameStop, I'd be uh, holding on to the noose and giving it a quicker death.
0: Yeah, but maybe, anyway. Maybe.
3: But you know, I've got Neo, which is a giant Souls-like. Mm-hmm. I've got Yakuza Zero, which is a big old giant open-world game. Got Breath of the Wild. Fuck, I forgot about it. Andromeda. Yeah,
0: massive fact.
3: <laughs> it's uh, it's and, wild.
0: Yeah, it's it's Breath and, of the and, Wild. And like,
3: I, I looked at my YouTube feed, and it's like Horizon, Zero Dawn, Easy Allies review, and I'm just like, fuck, I forgot that game existed.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah.
3: I'm definitely agreeing with you that it's kind of too much sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really just comes down to where your true tastes lie and as we get older i don't think we need to be shamed about you know not being able to experience everything i think that's a very good point it's really right. caring about yeah. which games you you have the most passion for and what you really feel like you want to play at that moment because yeah i know if i played horizon and zelda back to back like it may sour my experience on both cuz like just two very similar <laughs> games but different it wouldn't be like that continuing one long story of a franchise but it'd just be you know i'd be constantly comparing them against each other i want to give them a little pardon the pun breath in between the two
3: well for me it's a matter of time management right about now because i'm super sucked into a chain of memories right now my mind my mind is cards right now it's a house of cards Um, house of cards but you know i'm gonna want to juggle yakuza and breath of the wild and superman 60 whatever in there But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how I manage that, and you know, it might be an opportunity for me to stream more. That that's been one of my 2017 resolutions. Aside from just hang in there, you know, I've been wanting to get on Twitch a lot more and try and stream more. So, having five Kingdom Hearts games plus Neo plus Yakuza plus Zelda plus Mass Effect plus Persona might help with that. It might give uh, people who follow me a
0: bit more to look forward to in a way. So maybe that's a silver lining. I think that's a good way of doing it. Now, where can people find you on Twitter? They can do, is it still super DQP?
3: It is still super DQP across Facebook and Twitter and Twitch is DQP 742. So if you want to observe my horrible, wonderful Kingdom Hearts Odyssey, you can go do that at twitch.tv slash DQP 742. Uh, You can follow me just about anywhere else at SuperDQP. And um, if you have a Steam controller, I've got a neat series on YouTube about using it. So, yeah, lots of stuff. Great
0: stuff. Thank you so much for contributing. And DQP, you have a great night. You too. I hope to see you again in the future. For sure. For sure. And joining us from New York, Ken, welcome to the Power Switch. How are you?
4: Good, sir. How are you tonight?
0: Very, very good. Very tired. Throat's starting to get sore. I'm buying this water bottle on the hotel desk and wondering if they're going to charge me for it, but I won't Don't take do the chance. It. Don't do it. First time on the show. Welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What do you want to talk about?
4: Well, I want to talk about the uh, Pokemon Go Gen 2 discussion and, what, and whatnot. Hell but uh, yeah. before we do that... Before that, um, just to add to the Switch discussion. Did you see they released the uh, the file sizes for a bunch of the Switch games at launch?
0: Yeah, I, I found that very interesting, particularly with Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. That, Only
4: seven gigs.
0: Yeah, and like well, that's that's the magic of Nintendo compression. I mean, anyone who have followed those sizes in the past, you know, for a Wii and Wii U, knows that they're, they're just a master of getting that really down to the, the nitty gritty. But to have a final file size already for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe shows that like the game's been done. The game's been done for a while and they're just trying to strategically place it out through the month. Which you know it makes sense. So you don't want to put Mario Kart and Zelda like on, on launch day. You wanna almost cannibalize the sales there. But hmm. when they're given a final size number for a game like that's a, that's a pretty good indication it's done.
4: Yeah, it's also weird to see Dragon Quest Heroes one and two being 32 gigs. Where Zelda is 13 altogether. Because mm-hmm. Zelda looks massive. Yeah. On its own, I'm surprised again how small that is in comparison.
0: Yeah, I think again it's just that first party magic. Like that, that's amazing. I mean, if you go and look at some of the Wii games, like those are on you know whether it's single layer DVDs, the 4.7 gig, or you have the uh, the dual layer, whether that be you know, the 9.4 or whatever, it ends up being mm-hmm. the the final number, but I mean, they would get those games, some of them less than a gigabyte of actual space. And it's just like, what? You, you wizards, you madmen. Um, so it, I think that's really just the first power power there. But it really does go to show that people will have a choice to make, like how digital they want their libraries to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether you have most of the front loading be on a physical cartridge and then you you know save downloadable content and all for, for your SD cards or even the onboard space. Are you? I mean, you're planning to getting a Switch, I assume.
4: Oh, yeah. I already have it pre-ordered. I'm getting it uh, on launch. I'm taking the day off to play it and mm-hmm. whatnot.
0: That's exciting. That's exciting. I mean, what kind of SD card are you getting? What kind of size are you picturing?
4: Probably like 64. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go mostly physical with the game, so I can't picture needing like, anything ridiculous, but yeah. I want to keep all physical for the games.
0: Yeah, and it helps you know, for maintaining the library. It looks more impressive to have all those different cartridge boxes. I think I'm doing the same. I mean, there may be a couple you know, digital games here and there. I mean, whether it's, you know, my Nintendo rewards, like, you know, the the Picross sort of Zelda mm-hmm. equivalent, I mean, think, little things like that. Or you have the virtual console. I mean, gosh, if they follow through with the GameCube virtual console, oh, like that gosh. has to be digital. And so you're gonna have to have space for it. Like I'm, yeah, I'm gonna do 64. I think that's a good size to start out with. And, you know, over time, like those prices will drop even further. I mean, mm-hmm. I have got mine for... Thirty, and I even think that's the higher end of what you could reasonably get. I mean, you could probably find good prices for twenty. Hey, yeah, definitely. So, Pokemon Go season two, generation two, <laughs> Johto, <laughs> two. Um, really exciting. I have been starting to play, and just it's more just the collecting again, just you know, mm-hmm. filling out the Pokedex. Uh, particularly exciting for me when we talked last time on our last episode that it was, it was the stage of what well, was coming out later in this week. And it was like, what the next day, the next day or two, it was already out. So to find out what's around Michigan, where I live and what was at my work. And it was, it was a, such a big complex. I could just walk around and see all the different creatures on a, on a break. But now I'm in Texas. And so I'm like, I'm seeing different creatures in this location. And It's really exciting so far. What have been some of your experiences so far with with the game?
4: Uh, Oh, I live right across the street from a a park. So there's actually like four or five uh, stops all within like walking distance of me. Wow, yeah. So every night I've just been going down to the park, making the laps around and whatnot. Um, A lot of Hoot Hoot and Murkrow, because at night they come out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've yet to find uh, Cyndaquil, but I found Chikorita and Totodile. Um, and I've gotten none of the new special items yet, because like, they have like the metal coat now, they have all the new items that need to evolve. Yeah. I've gotten tons of the new berries. It's been very just fun, because people are out and about again, which I haven't seen people actually out playing with the lures and whatnot since the summer. So it does look like it's, it's revitalizing the game.
0: Yeah, and they're making lots of money on it again, It's you know really shooting up those awesome. grossing charts. So that, that is good to see. Now, I haven't seen confirmation on where we get... These items are they at Poke stops or I think they're
4: at Pokestops. stops I haven't got one yet myself but I've seen people with them so I'm assuming that's where they are okay
0: that's that is interesting because that that's something that they haven't really you know said I mean we'll need King's rocks we'll need metal coats we'll mm-hmm. need dragon scales I mean all, all sorts of things so it's yeah, really I cool mean, that you have a couple starters I do not have any yet but I think I've amassed a pretty decent collection so far all things considered that's good. Have you messed around with the uh, the new berries at all yet? A couple times. Um, and I think, you know, especially for, like, the, the pineapple berry where it's, like, the extra candy. Yeah, but it only works really- on the next throw. And so I, I try it and, like, oh, the ball breaks out. and Aww. I think I only have, like, <laughs> ten of each so far. So I'm a little hesitant to, to use them. But it, it just keeps... Filling up things, just you know, the the space in the bag, really, and it's uh, another point where now that we have more Pokemon, like, well, your default Pokemon size bag may you know get too small almost by default. Hmm. So, starting to push those boundaries as well.
4: It's funny with like the bag space. I know like the gyms are out there, but I never, I hardly ever actually go to the gyms to battle. So all the potions, revives, high potion, all that stuff, I throw out immediately. So my bag is all balls and berries.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that that makes <laughs> sense. I keep some. Uh, high potions and some revives around, like twenty of each, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to have some on hand. Uh, run me through your Johto Pokedex. Who do you have registered so far?
4: Chikorita. I have Totodile. I've got Meryl I got Hoot Hoot. I got Murkrow. I got Espeon and Umbreon because, of course, you can do the nickname trick with the EVs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really cool that they bring it back. You know, Sakura and Tamao, the, uh, yeah. the trainers from the anime, using that trick again. It's really neat.
4: It only works once, though, apparently. Once you use the nickname trick once, the next EVs aren't guaranteed to Mm. be what they are. Mm
0: -mm. Interesting. And then I wonder if it's just randomized. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And uh, Snubble, Teddy Ursa, Swinub, and Paloswine already. And a um, Mantine showed up
0: last night, too, by the harbor. Oh, neat. Yeah, that makes sense, by the water.
4: Yep. So that's all I got so far.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I I don't have any of the uh, starters. I have Sentrit and Furret, Hoot Hoot and Knockdowl. Ledibon, Ledian, Spinarak, and Ariados. uh, Chinchow, Natu, Zatu, Merrill, Wudo, Hoppip, Apom, Sunkern, Wooper, Aspion, Umbreon, Murkrow, Snubbull, and Granbull, Ursaring, Slugma, Swinub and Paliswine, Octillery, Skarmory, and Houndour. Oh, wow. So, it's it's, it's a decent collection (laughs) so far. And I think a lot of it has been, you know, going to a different location. I mean, a lot of these... Have been, you know, Texas acquired with, I mean, at least the Hound Hours. Uh, there have been a lot, just a ton of Centrif, but I think that's really for everyone. A lot of Hoot Hoot for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. and snubbles everywhere. Snubbles yep. everywhere down here. And it wasn't really so much back in Michigan. So, like, that was interesting. I'd, you know, caught enough to evolve it into Granbull. Um, to see things like Ursaring pop up and Octillery uh, was on our street on the first day. And that was oh, really wow. odd, but it was it was so busy that it was uh, the whole freezing glitch when you catch it, and you know would it yeah, work all <laughs> and all that all that fun stuff from really just huge server load time. So I, it's really fun to see you know people get involved in it again, and I, I think that's that's really exciting to see. Now I'm not worried about you know the big you know gym raising and all that, and seeing all the blissies and all those things pop oh, yeah. up. Um, so that doesn't really bother me too much. But it's a good reason to you know, get out and walking again and you know just have it open and it just kind of back in that flow.
4: Did you do any of the uh, holiday events leading up to this at all, like uh, Christmas or Valentine's?
0: I did the Halloween one with the uh, the ghost types and also that helped with some of the psychic types as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I definitely did that one. A little bit of Christmas, I, I should have done more Valentine's because I think I... I think I am a, a few Clefairy short sure of Clefable and like so that that should have been on my priority. Yeah, but I <laughs> I just did not. Like I was kind of in the stagnant, you know, not really playing mode that I think so many people were. And it it really took Johto and I'm I'm glad it's out, but it was it was a long time coming. I think it needed it a lot sooner. Absolutely, I agree. And now it's just a matter of, you know, finding Gen 1 Pokemon again like you know Zubat like I need some more Zubat for Crobat and 100
4: candy for the Crobat it's, it's, <laughs> it's, ridiculous. A, it's a
0: lot and you know granted you know it's, it's good to see a, an influx of Gen 2 Pokemon I'd rather see much more than Gen 1 but still have some of the Gen 1 Pokemon that we need around like I, I'd like to see more Poliwag because polytoad's a thing so it's it's all, uh, all a matter of balancing and it's just good to have that game be relevant again just to have people Absolutely. get together and play. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Ken, where can people find you on the internet?
4: Oh, uh, you can find me at Twitter at at kanking one I'm on YouTube under the same name, on Twitch on the same name. Basically, anywhere on the internet you go, I'm kanking one I've claimed that name pretty much everywhere.
0: And that's zero one, correct? Zero one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's easy to <laughs> I say oh. Say that. It's easy to say oh, but yeah, I just want to make sure people are going to the right place.
4: Yeah, Khan King Zero One. Thank you for that.
0: No, no problem. Well, Ken, good to hear from you again. Thank you so much for calling in. Hope you have a great night. Thank you for having me, Pete. Alright, thanks everyone. When we come back, we'll talk about the games that I have been playing recently. So you won't want to miss it. We'll talk about Gears of War 4 in particular, which that was that was an experience in some way. So, we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Halo 3. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at YouTube.com slash Asia. Now, let's talk about the games that I've been playing recently. Uh, we're going to start with Gears of War 4. Uh, this you know, came in through Gamefly and just figured, worth a shot to play, and I played co-op with my brother. And, you know, there aren't too many games you can do a local campaign co-op, and Gears of War happens to be one of them. Now, my brother had played the three previous Gears of War games, I struggled to really get into the first, and so I never played the others. I mean, you pick up certain moments and you get generally what happens in the Gears of War games, fine. But to kind of go into this one and not even know really anything about even Judgment, that that one spin-off game with Baird. Um, But yeah, Gears of War 4, to get into that, an interesting case of how they set it up with a prologue and five acts. And in the prologue, they kind of tried to establish Almost all three games kind of in one, just to kind of sum up what happened with the conflict between the cog and the locust. Uh, And you're playing certain parts from different perspectives to kind of set up how the world is now. And the action is good. I mean, it's, it's an established Gears of War sort of style. It's tried, it's tested, it's good, it's solid. Fun to play, you gotta get used to the active reload if that's something that you haven't really done before. I think it was, you know, solid there. Interesting enemy designs. There were only so many, it got a little repetitive after a while. Almost annoying to a certain points. They had this guardian enemy that put up a shield and it was flying around. Uh, because the story starts more like you're battling robots in a way, and then, oh, this this new evil threat comes out and what could it be? And it's a little more Fleshy and you know, kind of almost like how the previous games played. But to have it start with robots was a little interesting. But you had yeah, you had this guardian enemy that would put its shields up, and then you had to wear the shields down before you can get at it. it. A bit annoying. The gameplay kind of marred by these different sections of really just these frustrating segments a few times in particular where you're basically doing tower defense in a way where you'd accrue these points and you got to spend these points to either get weapons or you could do turrets or you could do barriers and sort of things and oh get ready the waves of enemies are coming and it it didn't feel like it fit with the story where it's just like oh you can press this button to have the wave begin now and oh they're coming and you got to battle the wave of enemies, and it's just like, why am I doing this? Again, like this tower defense sort of thing in Gears of War, really? You also have these parts where these wind storms, wind flares would be popping up out of nowhere because I guess that's the climate of this game, and they just felt like narrative happenstances in a way. Like, they didn't feel organic, they're just like, oh, this is happening and it's gonna make it tougher to move, and then they'd have these parts where lightning would strike, and it's gonna move and you gotta rush to the door and uh, get there but avoid the lightning and if you get touched by the lightning you die instantly. So that's fun when you're playing co-op and when one of you dies you, you're you done, you have to restart the checkpoint. So that's, that's just great. Fun shooting gameplay but these odd little side gameplay bits just didn't really make it too fun. And then the narrative, um, really about trying to find parents essentially. So whether it's trying to find your dad as the playable character, or another character's mom. it's, It's the driving force, and it made me get a little old after a little bit. The overall crux, I guess, was it was fine, but I found the writing to be unusual. And they wrote the character of JD as this kind of quippy, sassy sort of character, very much like they wanted him to be the new Nathan Drake. The way he was responding to situations was very Drake-like, but in a just a dripping almost attempt at trying to copy the style. And it wasn't organic and it wasn't well written, in my opinion. And it just kind of lessened the interaction of the characters overall. And again, like I don't have the connection to that series like many people may have. So I was just very lukewarm on it. It was a really fun game to play co-op. But we could at least embrace the the shortcomings together in a way. Uh, just odd writing, trying to be funny and, and they weren't when they were setting stakes to be raised so high and you're just sitting there like, you're not going to do that. You don't have the balls to do that in the storytelling. And sure enough, yeah, they they don't. they're, they're gonna play it safe. yep, yeah, fine, whatever. Sets up a sequel. I'm sure they'll make it because that's one of Microsoft's core exclusive you know software tenants. So they'll make it. Fine, whatever. I I may play it, but I'm I'm not going to buy it. It's it's definitely a rent, I would say. Unless if you're you're into Gears of War, but then you've played it already. So I'm I'm just preaching the choir, I guess. Also started The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. It's a game I'm trying to really get through before I, I dive into The Legend of Zelda, and it's it's a way, you know, kind of almost continuing that that franchise sort of thing, like even though they're very different games. I mean, gosh, Link to the Past and then going all the way into Breath of the Wild, you're not going to get the genre burnout, but it's almost like the, the series kind of get you into the flow a little bit. And it seems like, you know, that'd that be a pretty important one to play. I'd previously played Link to the Past and I got stuck in the second dungeon. Like I did not like the boss. Like I really struggled with that. But right now I'm past that. I'm into the dark world. I'm at the Palace of Darkness, the first temple in the dark world. Really enjoying it so far having a good time. I'm sure in a few more days I'd be done with it and really enjoying that one so far. I mean, that's that's every bit of a classic as it was. But I never expected at least those first three dungeons to be as short as they were. I mean, you're used to just longer dungeons in Zelda when you're playing the 3D ones. And it's just like, oh, yeah, times were different back then. That's for sure. And then Pokemon Go, as I mentioned in that call with Ken. I mean, yeah, going through Johto and all of those new Pokemon, 80 new creatures, plus the babies, plus you know the, the legendaries that we're not including, because those still have to be factored in. So up to 250, or 251, however you wanna say it, uh, different Pokemon, and uh, yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun. Catching a lot of new creatures, going to different places for work, and that's helping the diversification of the Pokédex portfolio. Really enjoying that one, but that's just more on, on the side sort of time. So, yeah, I'm going to play Link to the Past just in preparation for Switch. It's, it's going to be big, less than two weeks. Really, really can't wait. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by rhymeswithasia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at rhymeswithasia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting RhymesWithAsia.com call. It's a small but growing community. In these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you're looking for a YouTube video to watch, I would recommend Ninja Sex Party's new music video. Uh, if you've never heard of them, that's a great music group that you should check out. Just nice, high production values with that comedic style that they have. Uh, their new music video and new, new single, really, is called Eating Food in the Shower. It is absurd as it sounds, but it's, it's delightful to watch, and so give that a watch. So yeah, I fly home tomorrow. Should be back in case, you know, any big news breaks throughout the course of the week. We'll hopefully have another episode if that happens, and I'll be back home. That'll be nice. Uh, on Sunday, looking to have our first guest co-host. And just to kind of mix in another voice with you know the calls uh give you another chance to ask this guest uh questions looking to just mix in different voices throughout the show i mean you know after 12 episodes here getting used to kind of just the flow of production here but just trying to mix in different voices you know hear from more people i mean that's really really part of the participation. So not only would you be calling in to talk about different gaming topics, but also to ask this person, you know, different questions. And so to open things up, uh, I'm going to ask Alex O'Neill from Irrational Passions and his podcast that he's been doing for a long time. I mean, Alex was kind enough to ask me on his podcast at the end of last year and If you listen to that, we had an interesting story of kind of meeting of the minds, as it were, you know, just how he knew my work from past podcasts and how I knew his name, but then came across him through the kind of funny community and my wife going to PAX East in 2016. Uh, It's just an an interesting story, but he's been podcasting for more than six years and just he's another veteran. I wanted to get him on the show, just kind of open things up. And plus, he has a fan base that they can ask him questions in this call in podcast format that I think really still has a lot of potential and has some room to grow. So yeah, we're looking to have that Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, so set your calendars for that. We'll see if another episode happens before that, but you know, stay tuned to this Discord channel as that develops. Regardless, whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I am Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.